All right, before I click my 30 minutes go, uh, do we, does anybody need a book, uh, a handout, uh, anything? Everybody good? Everybody got all their stuff? I think we're good. All right, there's no hand raise. All right, I'm going to hit it here. Start. Boom. That's right. So my name is Brandon, Brandon Anderson. This is my beautiful wife, Phoebe, and uh, I'm going to talk to you about love. I have 30 minutes, uh, and so I'm going to try to rapid fire it as fast as I can, but um. I guess I would start with, uh, yes, I used to be the children's pastor here. Uh, we moved here five years ago, which is ama- five and a half almost now, which is amazing. We moved here from South Carolina. If you hear my accent, that's what that is. Uh, we moved here from South Carolina to, to do this, to be part of this church. Me and Pastor Josh, I've known him since he was 16. So we've known each other for a long time. Phoebe, you knew him from high school, right, or from school. So we've known him for a long time, uh, a long time. And so we've... we've uh, they had told us one time, hey, we really want you to be part of this church. And we're like, uh, we're really happy in South Carolina. And then um, God told, we actually came out to visit the, right after they opened. It was our 15-year anniversary. And on the way home, uh, they had been asking us, hey, as a matter of fact, his dad said, Brandon, why don't you just obey God and get out here? And he hit me in the arm. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I just haven't heard him say come or I would go. I really would. He knew who I was and I, I would have gone. And um and so uh, we left, and we're driving back to South Carolina, and somewhere, I guess, around Alabama, I'm just being quiet, and as clear as a bell, the Lord said, you're driving the wrong way. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we're moving back. So we had been in Oklahoma for 12 years and moved back home, and we'd been there for seven. We'd just bought a house, and I was like, oh, my gosh, how's this going to happen? So that was kind of scary, but either way, we're here now. Love our church, love being here, and this is a huge opportunity for me because, like Tondra, I said, I used to do the children's pastoring, but I haven't done it in two years, so this is my first time speaking in two years. So please use what Phoebe's going to teach you. Have some mercy. (laughs) Extend it. Don't feel shy. If we talk, if I ask for anything, don't be scared. This is a class setting, so let's have some fun. So I'm going to talk about love, and uh, love is amazing. And you can see it over here. We have four names of love uh, that the Greek gives us. If I, I, I was thinking about this, if I wanted to really expand, i got 30 minutes to give you my thoughts on love. It's like there's so much in the Bible. I thought, you know, imagine me taking a 55-gallon drum of water and you just sit in your chair, and I'm saying, here, take a drink, and I'm just going to dump it on you. There's a lot in there, but you're probably only going to get a couple of tastes of it. I mean, it, there's just so much. And I was like, Lord, where do we go? How do I do this? And so we'll see how you like it after we get done. But this was my take on love. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. So according to God's word, you are nothing and you gain nothing if you don't have love. So that's kind of a big deal, and we might want to really dive in to see, like, okay, so, so what is love? And I thought it'd be kind of fun to start off with, uh, what is the world's version of love? And you got to remember, the enemy is, he's nothing but a counterfeiter in everything. Everything that God has, he has a twist and a counterfeit of it. Everything. Doesn't matter what it is, he's a counterfeiter. So he's, of course, he's counterfeited love, and they've twisted love. I mean, love is everywhere, but I was thinking about, like, even our songs, you know, uh, 
every song, I, I'm, I, okay, to know this about me, I'm a, I'm a love song guy. Okay, me and Phoebe have our little playlist of love songs, and uh, our kids are like, oh, we share a Spotify account. So if me and mom are having a date night, and or you know we're in, back in our room or whatever, and we have our song list playing, our kids are like, oh, mom, what were y'all doing? What was this? And so they know that, you know, we have our love songs. So I love love songs. I'm a huge love song guy. Um, but I was thinking about what does the world's love songs say? So if you were around in the 90s, there was a song, What is Love? Hurt Me. So the words go, don't, so what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. So, or maybe you've been around even a little bit longer and you're either lost your hair like me and you remember some of Elvis. And he was, love me tender, love me sweet. Never let me go. <laughs> the list goes on and on. I, I will always love you. That was a huge one. The Huey Lewis had the power of love. When a man loves a woman, I honestly love you. Um, all these things. These, our, our culture is saturated with love. But is it the twisted love or is it God's love? Movies. I mean, I love a hamburger, I love Taco Bell, I love Brahms, I love this, I love that. I mean, love is just, we vomit love all the time. But there's a love that's higher and that we're called to that's a much higher love that, than what the world offers. Um, if you just look at marriage alone, me and my wife, we did wedding photography for years, and she was an amazing wedding photographer, but we got to see a lot of weddings. So if you were to take marriage as a litmus test and you look at 2020, so in 2020, there were 62 million weddings in America, in America. Out of those 62 million, there were 62 million, I love you. 62 million, I'll never leave you. Uh, 62 million, uh, you're, I, I want to spend my life with you. Out of those, 31 million are going to end in divorce. 31 million will end a divorce. But they all said at some point in time, you are it. You're the hot, you're the mama, I love you. You're everything I've wanted. And then it's like, no more. That's not real love. That's emotion and a lot of times. So there is, there is a form of love, and it is definitely a much higher love. Now, there are four different types of words that the Greek uses for uh, describing love. And there's two of them that are actually in the Bible. Um, some of them are, two of them are not, two of them are. Um, but the, the ones that are not actually physically in the Bible, they're actually uh, kind of depicted in the Bible. Uh, eros is the first one we're going to talk about, and it's the romantic. It's the, actually the word we get erotic from. Now, and it's not, I mean, I know when I say the word erotic in church, it's like, oh, but that's not, this is not a bad love unless it's twisted. Um, but it's interesting the reason that some people say it's not in the Bible because the first word, eros, comes from the mythological Greek god. Eros was the god of love, sexual desire, and physical love. The Romans called him Cupid. Yeah, that's good. A little fat guy that everybody flies around. That's, that's who that was. And he was thought to be the son of Aphrodite. So by the time they were writing the New Testament, this word had become so debased by the culture that it's not even used once in the entire New Testament. So they didn't even use that word. Now, it's described. Um, now, but like I said, it's a beautiful love. Uh, it's meant for marriage. That's a passion. So it draws us in. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, 36... It says, if anyone's worried that he may not be acting honorably towards the virgin that he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he has to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning, and they should get married. Now, I've got to say, when I met Phoebe, I've got to be honest and say that 
everything else just quit mattering. Everything was Phoebe. I mean, I didn't care about food, friends. I, love, I mean, it's like you don't care what they're, I just, I love this. I mean, your, your focus is here. Um, I, I loved spending time with her. I loved talking to her. We had like a, re, I mean, this is back when you were paying by the minute on phone bills. And we had like, and I did not make a lot of money. I was working at a church at the time. And I was like $300 a month phone bills, which was insane back then for us. But we would talk for hours. I just want to hear you breathe. I love you. You're the best. <laughs> I mean, we'd just let, I would, let's just go to sleep together. You know, and like, this is the best we could do. But there was a passion that I had for her that was God-given and beautiful and wonderful. But the thing about this love is the one love that if it's not bridled can quickly turn to sin. And, and that's, where, that's where we fall off the wagon. We, we're not bridling. And even in the church world, we're not bridling like we should. So, but that's, that's eros. So storge is a little different love. It's, more, it's, co- it's called a familial love. It's like family. Um, while the word itself is not found in Scripture, this is the second one that's not found in Scripture, um, its, its contrary form is it's called astorgeus, which is used in the Greek translation, which means without natural affection. Paul warns that during the end times, people will become so selfish that they will live without any sense of natural affection, even for their family. But again, that's just a twisted version. But the true love sense of this is, uh, is wonderful. The first time I felt this love was literally the day my daughter was born. I had no idea. Even when she was in Phoebe's belly, and I would lay beside their belly, and I would put my hands on it, and I'd be like, oh, I can feel her foot move. I can see her hand. And you could feel these things. I didn't feel a real connection yet. But the moment that she was born, and I saw her cry, and I held her, and she opened her eyes, and I saw her for the first time, um, there was something in me that I, I'm like, I, I, I couldn't explain. I never had that before. That is the, that is the, that's the Storge love. That, that's a familial love. Um, I remember, uh, I, I loved my grandparents. I loved um, my mom. My dad died when I was little. But I loved, like I was there the day my grandmother passed. I watched her breathe her last breath. I'm holding my grandfather while we're watching my grandmother literally breathe life out of her. And we, we watched her go. And it was, you know, you, you don't know that kind of heartbreak if you haven't been there. But, I mean, we've all lost someone. We've hurt people. But, but there's, a, there's a love that, you know, it can either hurt or it's wonderful but that's family, and you don't just get that anywhere. That's built in. It's, it's just almost a natural love. Um, so, but then the other love, which is very similar to this familiar love, is philia. So philia is, it may sound familiar. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of Philadelphia. Um, what's, what's, what's the name for Philadelphia? Do you all know what the city's called? The city of brotherly love. That's right. So that's exactly what Philadelphia means, brotherly love. Um, Romans 12.10 says, Let us, let's love each other with a genuine affection and taking delight and honoring each other. So this is kind of like a you find people with, with like qualities. Like this can be your church friends, peers with similar interests. Uh, I would say that Tondurai is my Philadelphia. You know, Tondurai, I'm a redneck from South Carolina in the mountains, okay? To see me get born again and move to Oklahoma and become great friends with a guy and, and become a Philadelphia love, somebody that I love as a brother so much, and he's from Zimbabwe. I, I never saw that coming ever, ever, but that's how, 
God puts those things. That's a God Philadelphia love. That's a that's how we're supposed to walk. And so, like when I'm walking through church, I see people, and I don't see them during the week most of the time. But I love these people. Um, that's a love that's given for for friendship, in one way. Uh, and, and in another sense, um, okay. So this is my coffee cup. Okay. I'm from South Carolina. I'm a huge Clemson fan. It's not a great day today for, you know, we've had a rough year this year. But this is, if I'm in Oklahoma, I don't see this very often, ever. So, and Phoebe will tell you, I've walked through the mall. I've walked through the mall and I'm like, there's a guy wearing a Clemson shirt. We are, that's instantly Philadelphia to me. That's brother. I'm like, dude, and I don't care where he's from. I don't care what he, I don't know, I don't know anything about it. He could hate Jesus. I have no idea. But it's like, dude, we love Clemson. So that's, that's that kind of love. It's a bond, similar interest. We all find those things. I mean, if, if, if you were out there and you're like, uh, somebody walked in the church and they were wearing a Navy shirt, you know, I'd probably be like, oh, dude, hey, I was in Navy. You know, there's similar. So that's kind of, that's that friendship love like that. And it's a wonderful love. There's nothing like that love. Um, but, you know, then there's the, the greatest love. The greatest love is agape love, and that is the God love. Uh, agape, it is the highest level of love referenced in the Bible. This form of love is everlasting, and it's sacrificial, whether or not the giver receives the same level of love in return. It is a perfect love. Now think about that. God gives us this perfect love, and he's not demanding you get it back. Being fallen flesh, learning to walk in the things of God, it's very easy for us to love when it's convenient, and then as soon as they do something that we don't necessarily like, well, I think I'm going to back off of you. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I want to love you from the distance. You know, we do that whole Christian thing. But that's, that's, not, that's, that's not real love. God... I remember when we went through something one time and Phoebe was pretty hurt. We were hurt. We've been hurt by church more than you could possibly imagine. And someone had lied about us in the church we used to go to. And uh, we were kicked out of that church because of that lie. And it didn't matter what we said. It didn't matter because they were the pastor's kids. And we were, there was nothing we could say. And we were so broken. And Phoebe was so hurt. And she's like, I'll never be able to forgive her. Never. And God spoke to her clearly and said, you know, I forgave you, and I knew everything that you would do. I'm just asking you to forgive something that someone did. See, God loves us no matter what. He always sees the best, looks for the best. That's love, and we can walk in that love. That's, that's the purpose, that we should walk in that kind of love. I could have actually started this session with the title, not, not what is love, but who is love. Love is a who. That who is God. God is love. In John 4, 8... Whoever does not love, who, I'm sorry, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love is how we should love, because God's in us. If you're born again, you are filled with love. And so, but how do we walk out this love? Well, it, in some aspects, it's kind of it should just be in you because you're born again. Um, you know, I look at this, like I said earlier, my dad passed away when I was five years old. So I don't remember my dad. I don't remember a conversation with my dad. I didn't watch him through my childhood growing up. I'm assuming that I know that he was there. I just don't remember it. I don't, I, for whatever, I just don't remember him being there. Um, so I had no experience with him, but he was my dad. So fast forward years later, I get born again. Uh, I had been estranged from my dad's family, kind of, because 
they weren't happy with some of the choices that my mother had made after my dad passed, and so we just didn't spend time with them. So when I got born again, I decided I'm going to make time to spend with my grandparents because I, I want to get to know them, and I didn't really know who my dad was. And so as a Christian, I wanted to really love my grandparents, and I got to spend time with them. And it was very interesting. I could be sitting with my grandmother, and her name was my mom, and I loved my mom. She had the best sense of humor. Man, she was awesome. And we, I would sit there and just be talking, just casually talking to her, and she just starts crying. And I'm like, Mama, what did I say? I'm sorry. And she goes, no, 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 it's okay. It's just you look just like your dad. You sound just like your dad. I write, and you know, Phoebe, I write just like my dad. I write, my words are exactly, I mean, it's like I wrote whatever I see that he had written. Um, we have the same laugh. I have friends of his, or they, when they see me, they're like, oh, my gosh, dude, you, you're your dad. Well, that's my dad. I should have an expression of him in some fashion or form. As God being your God who is love, you should have that coming through you in some fashion or form. Love should emanate who we are. Now, if that's part of that, then let's talk about what should we be doing. So one thing is God gives or love gives. John 3.16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is a giver. Um, and we should be givers, not only in love but in, or in time, but also in finances. I mean, there's a lot of areas, but we should be givers. That's what God's called us to do is to be givers. God is a giver. Um, when we started First Corinthians, we started this whole class. I started off with First Corinthians 1 through 3. Now I want to read a few more. I want to, read, I want to continue in that same chapter on what is love. Love is patient. Now, these are all things that we should be, okay? When it says love is, that doesn't mean like, yeah, God is these things, and he is. But these things should be in us also. So love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That is God's love, and that's the, how we should aim. That should be our aim, is to be like that. You know, but God's love does something else. God's love disciplines. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines those that he loves. He punishes each one that he accepts as his child. So in that aspect, we should be like God. We should also, like, so God, or you could say love, tells us, if you have children, love them, train them, teach them, spank them. Now, the world's going to tell you, if you spank your child, you're going to mess their psyche up and all these kind of things. But the Word of God says, no, 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 it's okay to spank. It's okay to do these things. And remember, the world's always going to be totally opposite of what God's Word says to do. Your, your, your best is always going to be to follow God's Word. Love will tell many, think about this, this was a very serious one to me. I thought this was pretty, pretty real. Because people are always, in our, in our world, we think of accepting everything. Love accepts. Matter of fact, today, I think we're having probably the most difficult time in the church because we have started to embrace uh, not the sinner, but the sin. You know, pride. You know, all these things that the Bible is clearly against. And But you have to remember there's, and there's two parables. One of them, there's all these women, 10 of them, are engaged. 10 of them are engaged. Five of them, now they're all engaged. They're all in this. They're all in. I'm going to marry this guy. Five of them are foolish and five are wise. 
And so five of them are told, depart from me, I never knew you. And so I'm thinking, love will tell you at some point in time, if you do not follow him or follow his ways, he will tell you, depart from me, for I never knew you. Um, so we don't accept everything. Love doesn't accept everything, but there's moments where we're going to have to judge things, and that's not a bad thing either. Um, but remember, according to God's word, I mean, you need all this love. According to God's word, you are nothing, and you gain nothing without love. Now, here's the cool thing. Love is going to cost you something. It's just going to cost you your life. That's it. Not much more than that. I mean, you know how to add to that. It's just going to cost you your life. But when you give up your life to follow Jesus, you're going to gain more than you can ever imagine. You may have, I remember before I got born again, I was actually got saved when I was in the Navy. And I remember thinking, if I get saved, if I really start living for God, I'm never going to have fun again. I really thought that. I honestly thought, you know, this life's going to suck. I'm never going to have fun. I... I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do anything because only thing I, only thing I knew that was fun was the sin that I lived in. Yes. Literally, that's all I knew was fun. But I didn't realize the sin. Not only was it killing me, it was destroying every aspect of my life. Um, I was like a pig in mud that seemed to enjoy the mud. Um, I'd never been free from it. But once I got born again and God freed me from this, all of a sudden my eyes are open and everything's revealed, and I'm like. Oh my God! I told everybody that from that point on, I had fun going to McDonald's. That was it. I, it. It didn't matter where I was. Life became fun. So it's the best life. But it doesn't mean you won't have hurts. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have to sacrifice. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be broken at some point in time. It doesn't mean you're not going to be lied about and kicked out of a church. But your eyes have to stay right here on Him, walk in His love. That's our highest call. That's our purpose. That is truly walking in love so with that all in mind i i'd read i found this thing from c.s lewis and c.s lewis is you know pretty amazing but this was him talking about love and i thought listen this is as good as anybody that ever heard i thought this is awesome so check this out this is all from c.s lewis he says all human beings pass away do not put your goods in a leaky vessel don't spend too much on a house that you may be turned out of. Yet we are made to love, and we are all in want of it. If we play it safe, we're not living out the gospel, but burying the coin in the safe ground, as the parable says. There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to absolutely no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all the entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or a coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It won't be broken. It'll become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can perfectly, where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and anxieties of love is hell. If we think that perhaps love is not worth the sorrow and pain, then we are more pagan than Christian. 
Though the fall, through the fall, I mean, sorry, though the fall has invited such selfishness to linger heavy in our culture, ours is the gospel charge to go to the nth degree to love those who are broken, not for some vague humanitarian effort, but to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Let us ask God to awaken such an, an, an abandoned and reckless love to come alive in us. I just thought that was amazing from C.S. Lewis. I mean, that is truly reckless love because, like I said, you are going to be hurt. But there's a day that's coming very shortly, I pray. I'd love to hear the horn blow. I'd love to see us all meet in the sky really soon. That would be phenomenal because there's a lot of pain now. Um, you know, but the disciples saw the pain, saw torture. They were actually excited to be beaten for the cause of Christ. We did it. They beat us. Did y'all see that? They beat us. I mean, that's crazy, but that's awesome. It was, they, were, they, they were so like, we, we did something that was huge. And so you're going to be hurt. You're going to be, man, you're going to be so trampled on by this world. But listen, you're going to be so uplifted by God. And His love protects you, watches over you, carries you. It doesn't matter what goes on in this world. His promises are yes and amen, and you never have to worry about what is coming. But again, stick with agape love. God's love is amazing. So that is my spiel. Miss Phoebe, I kept it at 25 minutes, so I did my job properly. I did it well. All right, thank you guys. Hope you have a blessed day. And Miss Phoebe's going to give you some mercy. So, what does God want to show us about mercy? I'm super excited. The first thing I like to do when I study something is look up the definition in a dictionary. That's my first level <laughs> of digging into the word is, uh, what does this word actually mean? Do I really fully understand it? And one of my favorite, this is a side note, favorite dictionaries to go to, Noah Webster's original 1828 dictionary. Uh, he was a godly man who devoted his life to defining our language, and he believed you could not do it apart from God's word. So I encourage you to get a hold of his original or download his app. Um, so we're going to start with the definition of mercy. Mercy is the tenderness of heart to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. It's the act of sparing. The simple truth is God's mercy provided a way to overlook our mistakes so that we could be seen clean, righteous by sending Jesus. Mercy prompts forgiveness. Another definition of mercy is on the receiving end of mercy, and that is to have no means of self-defense, but to be dependent for safety on the mercy or compassion of another. So when you're at the mercy of something, you yourself have no power at all to change or overcome what you're up against. So let's compare that to something like this, something really powerful, a storm wave. <laughs> when you're up against something like this, you can't control the direction you're being pushed. You can push and push and try and try, but to no avail. Uh, storm waves cause a lot of damage. Um, there's just nothing you can do to make yourself go the course you want to go. You are at the mercy of its power. 
in situations where we need mercy, such as this, we recognize our need for mercy. And so in order to really receive mercy, one first knows they need mercy. So how good would it be if you saw this? <laughs> a rescue helicopter. Lower down to your need and offer a hand. I would gladly reach for that hand and relinquish my fight and be lifted up and out of what I was fighting. Sorry. So as we would become so weak in that situation, this would be such a wave of relief to be rescued. You go from being at the mercy of something powerful to receiving great power. <clears throat> See, we were up against something. <laughs> we were up against never being good enough. We were up against never being able to overcome our sinful nature. We couldn't do it. That's what we were up against. We were uh, facing certain death in every area of our life and facing eternal separation from God. We were completely powerless against our sinful nature. We needed this gift of mercy because we needed rescued. So we're going to go to our passage. We're going to dig a lot in Ephesians 2 today. Uh, and we're just going to read through this quickly. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins... You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. My favorite two words in scriptures are, but God. But God, so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, I was a homeschool mom for years, and I don't know if you remember dissecting sentences. It's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> but there's a because clause in this sentence. Because of our sins, we needed mercy. So let's keep reading. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places, because we are united with Christ. This is such an amazing scripture. I want you to see this part because he seated us. Mercy seated us with Christ. Mercy changed our seat. It's his mercy that allowed us to change our resident address from being far from him to being seated with him and his power. Why did he do that? He wants to be with us and he wants to do things on this earth with us. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So, does this mercy now allow us to do what we want? I'm going to show you that in scripture. Let's think back to that helicopter scenario. I would not look back down at those waves that were taking me under 
and desire to jump back in. Therefore, mercy is an agent to change your course. Have you ever been at the mercy of a police officer? So you're in your car, you know you did something wrong, and you're waiting, he's sitting behind you, you're just praying under your breath. <laughs> he's sitting behind you determining your punishment at that very moment. And when he walks up to your window and he says those wonderful words, it's just a warning. And he hands you that carbon copy, you are so relieved, but then he reminds you of a truth. Slow down. Mercy and truth. You'll see a lot of times in scripture mercy coupled with truth. And truth is an important part of mercy. In the same way, God's mercy is not a license to do what we want. The scripture says that he has good plans for us that he wants to do with us and through us. But choosing to jump back in, choosing to jump back in the old life uh, will keep us from experiencing the good things he has planned for us. So let's look at this passage again in light of a person before they accept God's mercy. So crowd participation here. <laughs> what are some things, some attributes, some characteristics described of a person before they receive mercy? They were dead because of their disobedience. What else? Lost. Yeah. Lived in sin. Yeah. Lived in sin like the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. <Obeying the devil>. <laughs> <laughs> and it says we used to follow the passionate desires of our sinful nature. Look at all these past uh, terms. Used to, were. Okay. Another passage. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. How do you receive mercy? Confess and turn. Okay? Another passage. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. So we see in Scripture there is an old life and a new life. And when we receive his mercy, there is a turning away that takes place. This is an exciting part. So mercy extended to us forgiveness, salvation, and unified us with Christ. So let's go over that again. I'm forgiven because of mercy. I'm saved because of mercy. But I'm also unified with Christ and his power, which then enables me to become new. Okay? So truth allows us to walk out salvation. Uh, what is truth? That's an easy one. Anyone? Yes, Jesus. And truth is God's word, which is Jesus. <laughs> okay? So studying truth, being unified with Christ, who is the word, leads to becoming new. Yeah. Scripture tells us his mercy endures forever. 
Sorry, I missed a slide there. <laughs> Scripture tells us his mercy endures forever. His store of mercy will never diminish, and that's really good news because we're not going to be perfect walking this out. But it is the truth that helps us to walk out our salvation. Accepting his mercy is a, a process, it starts our process of becoming new. So turning from our ways and accepting that mercy, um, that is the entrance gate to new life. Okay, so we've learned mercy isn't a pass to do what we want. We didn't just get handed, like the police officer didn't hand me a pass to forever not have to obey the speed limit. He gave me mercy and truth. In the Bible we see over and over, extensions of mercy, truth. Extensions of mercy, truth. We do this in parenting, mercy, <laughs> truth. It's God's way. It is God's way. So it's not a pass to do what we want for all time. It's a doorway to becoming new in Christ. So our race in this life is becoming a people holy unto God, pleasing to him, bringing him glory, doing the good things that he has planned for us. I came across this quote by Charles Spurgeon. It's just so good. I'm going to read it to you. You are not new made in the image of the fallen Adam, but in the likeness of the second Adam, Jesus. You are not new created to sin. The old nature sins and always will sin, but the new life is of God, and it strives daily against the sin of the old nature and perseveres and pushes forward towards everything that is holy, upright and perfect. The old nature does not care to pray, but the new nature prays as readily as we breathe. The old nature murmurs, but the new nature sings and praises God from an impulse within. The old nature goes after the flesh, but the new nature seeks the things of the spirit. If you have been born again at all, you have been born unto holiness. And if you have been new created, you have been created unto good works. Such a good quote. And I'm going to focus on that last part just for a second. Created unto good works. We know that our good works will never save us. However, when we accept his mercy, we step into the ability to become a new creation used for good works. Do you see the difference? That's just so good. So good works will follow us becoming a new creation. May we never take for granted this mercy that we've been shown. Not to continue in a defeated life of sin, but to be lifted up out of our old lives, living from this new position, seated next to Christ in his power, to do the good things that he has planned for us. Do we still mess up? Yes, we do. But we don't love sin we aren't pursuing sin. It doesn't have dominion over us anymore. We live from this new seat provided by his mercy. And now we have union with the one who helps us conquer sin. If you want to help me demonstrate un unity, we've all heard there's strength in numbers. Oops. Strength in numbers, unity, union. 
um, and we know this, but your union that mercy allowed you to step into is a union with Christ. It is the strongest, most powerful union you could ever walk in. And that is how you will overcome and conquer sin in your life. It's this union with his word, which is Christ. The fellowship with his word is what leads to becoming new. Uh, I want to read this quote and stay with me Sorry. for just one second. Sorry. Oh, yeah, my quote was already up there. Uh, I read this, but can Christ unify with someone who chooses to love sin? Strength to overcome sin comes from staying in the union Christ provided in his mercy. So if he, he goes off and chooses to love sin, he's broken mm -hmm. his union. Mm -hmm. Stay in union with yes. what mercy provided the strongest union you could ever have. It's his power that will enable you to become new and do the good things. So mercy has joined us to Jesus by faith and good works follow the union. Okay, I'm going to read another verse. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 and 4, 1 to 2. So all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. Mercy is the lavish gift of sparing. It forgave us, it led to our forgiveness, saved us, and now unified us with Christ to become new. I might have ended early, I'm not sure. That was pretty awesome. I, 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 I love the, the different qualities represented, the structured <laughs> presentation and the emotional <laughs> uh, presentation. And, and so it was awesome. Thank you guys so much. I appreciated that. That was just phenomenal. I, I, I think that um, the the points that we want to take is a distinction between God's kind of love and the world's kind of love. And I think if we miss that distinction and or we, we try to, to morph, the, to make them this similar and to make them expressed in a similar fashion, that we begin to dilute what God actually wants to do through and in our lives. And I think the way that we stand out and, and shine, like what um, Pastor Brandon was trying to get us to see, the way that we stand out and shine in this world is by actually living by the agape kind of love. And I think that's that's just a phenomenal uh, thing there. And, 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 and on the mercy side, I knew this was perfect for them, just just the topic. Uh, I, I thought I was going to see waterworks. <laughs> and so, because I know 
this is probably close to your heart, right? The very subjects that mercy and love are very close to your heart. But in, in the picture of, of mercy being that I was in a very powerful, uh, powerless position and, re and require, requiring the mercy of, of God, and then mercy actually comes and then gives me that power to come out of something that was going to, to overwhelm me. And I think that is the picture of Christ right there, that we are not in a position to overcome sin. I just want to let you know that we cannot overcome sin. I remember back in the day as a young kid, and after doing something wrong, I'd make a covenant in my head, and I'd say, from this day forward, I'm never going to do anything wrong again. And two hours later, right there. So because because you cannot overcome it on your own, you cannot overcome it in your flesh. So even good intentions are not going to suffice, and so we require the mercy of God and the love of God to be able to realize that <laughs> hey, you can push against that flood that's coming against you in your own strength. It will overcome you. You need Jesus. You need the power of God to be able to stand. And I think this is very powerful. So. The object of this class is to get you to go deeper into this. Like, like Pastor Brandon was saying, he's got a 55-gallon of, of water, and he's trying to pour it into your, into your mouth for you to take a drink. You're not going to catch it all. But the hope is you tasted what was coming out of that gallon. Now you want more. Okay? It's the same thing with what uh, Pastor Phoebe is talking about. You've tasted what mercy is about. Now you want more. And the beauty of it is because you know how good it is and you've tasted it, the idea is if you want to strengthen your understanding of biblical principles, here's the key. Teach it to someone else. Okay? So all, of all the things we've talked about, salvation, grace, uh, faith, all those things we've talked about. If you want to see where are you at, did you really grasp the concept? <laughs> Do you really know what's going on? Here's my challenge to you. Teach it to somebody else. Then you will begin to see how closer you've grasped the concept of the fundamentals. Because if you just take it and you take good notes, great notes, and you just read it, and you don't pass it on or you don't see the principles to practice or you don't go deeper into it, then again, it's like just eating a lot and getting fat. And 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 fat is not good. Okay? Yeah, we don't want to be fat. Unless you use it as an acronym, that means you're fabulous, attain, uh, available, and teachable. So, but we're not using the acronym. All right. Any comments, thoughts, questions at this time? And any of them? Yes. I always trust you to be there for me. Go on. Uh, I so love this. This is so wonderful. There's great strength in mercy. Yes. There really is. And there's wonderful legal standing with mercy that we can receive the strength from mercy. Mm -hmm. The mercy seat. You know, blood is, as we speak now, the blood is, is poured out on the mercy seat in the throne of heaven. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, James. Anybody else? Thoughts, comments, questions? All right. I'm going to close this out in prayer, and you guys can have an early release.
Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the word that uh, Pastor Brandon and Phoebe just brought to us. And I just pray that you continue to bless them, Lord. They're just a wonderful family. And I just speak your blessing on their lives, even if they have been obedient to do this. And I know it takes time to sit down, think through, and just collect yourself to be able to hear from you. And I just thank you that they had the willingness to do so. And I pray that as they go from here, God, you do great and mighty things in their lives. I know there is more to come. As we say here that our better days are our next days. And I know that there's even much better and much, much, much better for them ahead. Uh, I pray as we go from here that we take your word and we, like the Bereans, will go back into your word and begin to read it again so that we can get depth of understanding. And as we understand, our faith is built up. And as our faith is built up, we build on top of that faith so that we can live an effective Christian life. I honor you, Father, for the hearts of everybody that is here, a desire to get deeper into your word and to understand it. And I thank you that your word says, whoever lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give graciously without finding fault. And so I thank you that you would just lavish your wisdom on us, that we would go from here in strength, from strength, that will build upon that line upon line and precept upon precept. We thank you and we honor you and we are ever so grateful. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. You guys have a wonderful afternoon.